When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. Welcome everybody into another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Sunbelt Podcast. I am your sitting in host for the second time in a row, Brian Stone, joined once again by Georgia Southern and Georgia State contributing writer Zeke Palermo. Zeke, talk to me. What's going on, Brian? Uh, glad to be back. Thanks for having me back. Uh, it's an exciting week. Now that we're out of week zero, week one, Sunbelt football is ready to get started, and it is just a happy time to be a football fan. Absolutely. Um, usually, you know, uh, at this part, this point in the show, we would recap the previous week's games, but unfortunately, the Sunbelt didn't have any of those week zero games that you mentioned. So, we're just going to start from the top and jump right into this week's upcoming slate. It's probably going to be a typically shorter episode than what we're, you know, usually going to put out during the season. But we'll we'll just run down these slate of games starting from uh, the Thursday matchups. And uh, just for disclosure, uh, we are recording this episode on Wednesday. There is a chance this episode doesn't drop until after the Thursday games have happened, maybe Friday morning or so. So just bear with us as far as uh, us talking about these games as if they haven't already happened. So let's just start from uh, the 7 o'clock kick. Uh, The Citadel comes to... Um, Conway, South Carolina, to take on Sunbelt East champion and number 22nd ranked Coastal Carolina. Uh, Zeke, um, you know, I hate to say this because the Citadel are typically pretty good for what they are, uh, which is, you know, a, a triple option military type of school at the FCS level. But they just feel like they're getting fed to the wolves here with this this uh, opening slate here. Yeah, it's a, it's a very tough opening game. Um, although um, Citadel has been known to pull a couple upsets. I think it was just two years ago they beat Georgia Tech, which um, for them was a big accomplishment. Um, however, Coastal Carolina is not Georgia Tech. They're a nationally ranked team among the top 25 best teams in the nation. So it will be ugly. Um, yeah. We're really going to just be blunt about it. <laughs> I, yeah, and I think uh, it was three or four years ago, maybe even more than that, that they, they beat South Carolina uh, mm-hmm. after Steve Spurrier abruptly retired one year. And uh, now Georgia State coach Sean Clark was the intern there. So a little, little interesting tidbit. Uh, but getting into this game, um, you know, I, I kind of mentioned this. I, I do think that Coastal is just going to absolutely have their way uh, with the Citadel here. Uh, from a betting perspective, uh, Coastal Carolina, five touchdown favorites. The line is 35 as it sits today. Over under for this one's 57. Uh, Coastal averaged last season 37 points per game just by themselves. I- I'm going to be I'm going to be honest. I Five touchdowns is a lot. 
I think I like Coastal Carolina plus or minus 35. And I think that there's a real chance they could hit the over by themselves. I mean, they scored point points in bunches last year. I, I'm not sure if I'll take the 34 and a half point spread or 35 point spread. Um, like you said, that is a lot of points. Um, but I'll definitely agree with you on taking the over. Um, the way you beat, as you mentioned, these you know military academy teams is by outpassing them. Let them control the ball as long as they want, but you're able to just pass the ball and march downfield. Um, and with Grayson McCall, who is arguably the best player in the Sun Belt, one of the top, arguably one of the top quarterbacks in the nation, um, they're bringing back Javion Hiley, who is one of the best receivers in the nation last season. If they've, uh, Coastal has all of the tools in place to beat these service academy teams. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And and you're right. I mean, the the thing with these service academy triple option schools, and you can even extend this to Army, a team that we'll talk about a little later, um, is just scoring points and and forcing them to have to match point for point with you i think that that's a a really tough thing for these triple option teams to do because you know if the playing field is level uh you know they may be able to rip off a run or two here and there and and kind of surprise uh their opponents but coastal man is just so stacked like even at the sunbelt level that i i just don't see these FCS, you know, triple option schools being able to score point for point with them. So I think it's going to be a layup for Coastal. I, I know you feel the same way. So not much to get into there. Let's let's just kind of transition away from that game now. But uh, both of us expecting a, a fairly easy win for Coastal in their opener. Um, game two of Thursday night, East Carolina uh, takes on Appalachian State in Boone. Uh, this one's labeled as the Duke's Mayo Classic. Um, actually, look, it's 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 actually in Charlotte at Bank of America Stadium. Interesting. Um, but uh, Appalachian State comes into this one 10-point favorites. I, this is going to be a recurring theme. I think I like the over in this one, too. Uh, what's the over on this one? Over-under on this one? 56. 56. I agree. I think... Um... Eastern Carolina is in a conference that they're in the American conference, right? Which is comparable to the Sunbelt in terms of a strong group of five. Mm -hmm. Um, However, ECU is not at the level App State is within their group of five. Um, Did they go two and 10, something very poor last year? Maybe it was two and eight. Um, And they just have, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I think they had an abbreviated schedule. I'm lo- I'm looking at it, it pulled up here right now. Um, it looks like they went three and six last year in nine games. Three and six in nine games in a in these group of five conferences that just won't cut it. You're bordering FCS level, you know, yeah. when you're playing at that level. Um, much like Coastal is built to beat the Citadel with their passing game, I think App State is built to beat ECU. Mm -hmm. Um, Last season, ECU allowed 201 rushing yards per game, and App State has an incredible rushing game with Cameron Peoples. Yep. I think he is a shot to be the Sunbelt Offensive Player of the Year. Um, They're going to take an early lead, App State is, and 
once you get the lead, you keep running the ball, and that's how they do their best damage. So it could get ugly. So just, uh, you know, obviously things change at the college football level from year to year. You know, you can't just you can't just absolutely say that they're going to be the exact same team they were last year. But looking at um, the the one common opponent that both App and East Carolina had last year, East Carolina uh, faced Georgia State in their second week of the season and got absolutely crushed by 20 points. So, um, you know, there is always a chance uh, that this happens again. And, uh, yeah, I I mean, I just see App just absolutely running through – East Carolina. I, and, you know, you, we were talking about it from a points perspective. Uh, East Carolina averaged 30 points per game as a team uh, last year and allowed 35 points to opponents last year per game. So, yeah. again, I, I love the over in this one of 56. I think that that's uh, pretty much a layup. Um, so, getting into the Saturday slate of games. Uh, to start off Saturday uh, at noon, UL Monroe travels to Lexington to take on Kentucky. Uh, I think this is going to be a really tough uh, thing for UL Monroe to try to pull off. I, th- I mean, I don't think Kentucky are world beaters by any stretch of the imagination, but we've talked about how brutal uh, U- U of, uh, UL Monroe is and how bad we expect them to be this year. Um Kentucky is a 31-point favorite in this one. Kind of give me your thoughts on that. So we just took the two Sunbelt teams we just talked about. We took them by a heavy margin, and it's going to be the opposite with Monroe. They're, like you said, Kentucky is by no means an elite football program, but I, they're in the SEC, correct? Uh, yeah. The SEC is the best football conference to ever grace the face of this earth, so – it's going to, much like the past two games we talked about, I mean, like you said, those will be ugly, and this will be ugly just in the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. Uh, UofL couldn't do much right last year, and, uh, you know, we, we've talked about in the past, like when we did their preview, you know, they, they're breaking in an entirely new staff. They're trying to kind of start over from absolute scratch. As, as far as a football program goes. So Kentucky, you know, Mark Stoops has done some nice things there. They've had a couple successful seasons. Um, again, I, I don't think they're world beaters by any stretch, but I mean, they had a pretty nice season, you know, last year the, they were able to beat, you know, a, a number 23 ranked NC state team in their bowl game. They beat South Carolina, like a drum last year to end their regular season, 41 to 18. I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that their level of competition that they typically play is a lot higher than what UL Monroe is going to put out on the field. So, um, yeah, give me the give me the 31. Uh, was it with Kentucky? I think that's going to be a layup for them. Um, getting into the next game, uh, probably one of the more competitive games of the weekend that we're going to see: uh, Georgia State hosting Army at Center Park Stadium in Atlanta. Um, give me your thoughts on this kind of game. And I mean, it could, I think this one could go either way. Um, out of all of the games, the Sunbelt is playing. I would argue this has the closest, the two teams are the closest in skill in this game. Um, I would argue, as we mentioned earlier with Citadel army is another one of those service Academy, just run the ball. Like it's nobody's business offenses. 
and it will be up to the Panthers to, you know, obviously stop that, but then they've got to pass the ball as well. Um, a strong feature, I think we mentioned this last week, um, every Stunbelt team in some form, with very, two slight exceptions, relies heavily on the run game. So it'll be tough for Georgia State to really pull themselves away from that, you know, here's how we want to play, and instead playing in a form that can beat Army, and that is just throwing the ball over top. But um, as you said, this really could go over either way. I've got Georgia State, but no, by no more than four or five points. Yeah, the, the money, or not the money line, but the spread in this one's really close. Georgia State, just a tight two-point favorite at home, which is... Uh, pretty indicative of how you know the odds makers think this one's going to go. I mean, typically when you are setting like a line, you give the benefit of the doubt to the home team by about a three point margin. So for it to be a two point spread means that people think it's going to be fairly close. I agree. I think Georgia State has enough offense um, to you know do sort of on a smaller scale what Coastal is probably going to do to the Citadel. Um, which is, you know, keep Army behind uh, the sticks and, and force them to try to score along with Georgia State, which I don't, they just don't have the offensive firepower to do. So I think Georgia State wins this one. I do think it's going to be close. Uh, I, I, I mean, I, I think I like Georgia State minus two in this one, but it's it's definitely going to be, you know, a, a really competitive game. And I'm looking forward to see if Georgia State has kind of taken those strides and, and talk, and, you know, Matt and I talked about the the level, the next level they need to get to defensively to kind of be a competitor in the Sun Belt, and this will be a good test for them week one because uh, they have a really tough schedule this year, and and their the the schedule makers didn't do them any favors. So week one is going to be very competitive. So we'll see how they do against Army. Um, getting into the next game here, I, I think this this is undisputedly the Sun Belt game of the entire weekend. Uh, Louisiana, uh, the Raging Cajuns travel um, to Austin to take on the Texas Longhorns. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian, a uh, former offensive coordinator at uh, Alabama, has now taken over the helm uh, for the Longhorns. And uh, Billy Napier's team is a really seasoned uh, Sunbelt team that just defeated a Big 12 school last year. So Zeke, it's an eight-point spread. Uh Texas as of today are eight point favorites. You know, what chance do you give them of pulling, you know, the unlikely upset in this one? To call it an unlikely upset, I think does not do the Cajuns really any justice. Um, eight points, I guess would be a fair spread, but for you to go as far as it's call them an unlikely upset. Um, this is a Louisiana team. Like, like you said, they upset a big 12 school last year. They're ranked 23rd in the country. Um, only two spots lower than Texas, who is 21. It's going to be a very important game in terms of how does Louisiana, are they legitimate? Is this a real strong football team or is last year just a fluke? Um, and on the same side of that, Texas, as you mentioned, Sarkeesian, his debut with the Longhorns, does this work out for him? Um, I don't think, I'm looking through his bio, he's never really found his place in really any coaching job he's jumped around for every two three years is texas where he settles where he digs his uh his boots in so both teams have a lot to prove 
with Coastal saying, hey, we're a real big boy team. Sarkeesian trying to say, hey, I'm head coach caliber. Um, I'll take Coastal, or I'm sorry, Louisiana to beat the spread, but I'll have Texas winning. Yeah, I I think I agree with you. I think this one's going to be fairly close. Um, I do think Texas is ultimately going to win this one. I mean, just the the level of recruiting that they do um, on a yearly basis and is just so much more macro than, than kind of what Louisiana is doing. I mean, Louisiana has a very senior laden, you know, very experienced team, great head coach, great quarterback. But if you had returned last year's Louisiana team and put them on the field with those running backs that they had, I'd feel much more confident about picking them in an upset here. But um, the one area they're kind of having to retool a little bit is at the running back position. You know, Raymond Calais mm-hmm. isn't isn't there anymore. Um, they have some other guys that, that really were impactful in the ground game last year for them that aren't coming back um, just due to graduation and going to the NFL draft and things like that. Um, you know, Sarkeesian has had success as a head coach. You know, he was Washington's head coach for a few years, um, went to USC, had, I think, like one good year and then had to leave uh, for like personal reasons. Yeah. Um, but he's been, you know, Alabama's offensive coordinator uh, and, and, and Atlanta Falcons offensive coordinator in, in the time between these two head coaching stints. So, I mean, I think he'll have them ready to go to say to say that, but he's breaking in a brand new quarterback. Uh, Hudson Card just got named the starter. Um, but I, I think this one's going to be a fairly close game. I wouldn't be surprised to see this be a field goal deficit, but I still think uh, Texas is going to end up pulling it out in the end. No, you're um, completely right on that. I mean, I, I, I didn't think that they had any shot against Iowa State last year, Louisiana, uh, and they were ended up pulling that out. But I just think that Sarkeesian's such a better offensive mind than Matt Campbell that it's not even really an argument. So I, I think he'll have, you know, enough tricks up his sleeve to beat Louisiana in week one in his, right, in yeah. his uh, Texas debut. So unfortunately, Sorry, just, oh yeah, go ahead. Unfortunately, we couldn't we couldn't pick the upset outright. You know. Yeah. Um, the next game here, uh, another, you know, Sunbelt FCS matchup, Georgia Southern, uh, six o'clock kick welcomes Gardner Webb, the Bulldogs, uh, to Paulson, uh, no betting line on this game, uh, from what I can tell. Um, I, I mean, Georgia Southern, I wrote, you know, a fairly lengthy write up a couple of weeks ago. Um, about their quarterback situation and how it's in a state of flux and how they won't have their presumed starter, Justin Tomlin, for the first two games of the year because he's academically ineligible. Um, but I, I do think they have enough talent to, to beat a FCS team like Gardner-Webb. Um, yeah, obviously the Tomlin situation is tough, but from what we've heard um, from out of Statesboro is that they're confident in next guy up. Obviously, no coach is going to say he's not confident in his backup. But <laughs> I was just about to say, I was like, have yeah. you ever heard a coach go, yeah, he's not, I don't he's know not who's going to take snaps on, his, on Saturday. <laughs> his backups. But, um, you know, if, if we're going to believe what's coming out of the Georgia Southern's camp, they are ready and happy, not happy, but will happily advance without Tomlin and 
just see how it plays out. Um, the biggest thing is, I'll be honest, I don't know what to make of Gardner-Webb. Obviously an FCS school, so there's not a ton of information. And they only played four games last season. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, with that small sample size, and you and I talked about it last week, can you use a small sample size to really determine a player or a team's skill ability? Not really. Um, but one game from those four that stuck out was Monmouth. It was their third game of the season, 252 rushing yards allowed. And what does Georgia Southern like to do? They like to run the football. Oh yeah. So I think that in just terms of, if we're looking at it on paper, just scheming perspective, Southern's got this handedly. Yeah. I mean, I think that this is a really good, uh, gear up you know, game for whoever they decide the quarterback is, you know, I, mm-hmm. I just Googled Georgia Southern starting quarterback and uh, the Savannah morning news uh, wrote an article. I think it was yesterday that they still have not announced who the starter is at quarterback. I mean, they, they're keeping this information under lock and key. And I, I was just talking to somebody about this the other day, you know, it's not like the guys that are in the running to take snaps at quarterback have any college film for opponents to study. You know, um, the, the three guys that are in contention to start are Amari Jones, who is a running back transfer who may take snaps at quarterback from Tulane, mm-hmm. Sam Kennerson and Cam Ransom are freshmen. So unless Gardner Webb's going to dig up their high school film, what, what, what does it matter if you announce it ahead of time? You know what I mean? So I think it's really weird to keep this information under lock and key when all three of these guys have never really played quarterback at the college level. With that said, whoever they decide to go with, I I mean, I think the, the rushing attack, like you mentioned, I think JD King, Logan Wright, guys like that, you know, whoever they decide to take that Wesley Kennedy type of role from last year. I, I think I think that it's just going to be too much for Gardner Webb, but I do think this is going to be a good tune-up game uh, for next week when they take on Florida Atlantic for whoever d- they decide is the quarterback uh, yeah. for the first two games of the year. I think by the end of the by the end of week one, JD King will lead the Sun Belt, if not the FBS in rushing yards. I think that's a very feasible uh, prediction to make, just based on quarterback and or I'm sorry um matchup and how how much they like to run the ball uh I'm curious you're a Georgia Southern guy who do you who can you foresee who would you like to make that start what's your take on that just personally uh you know it, it was really limited last year but I thought Sam Kinnerson came in and and looked good in the very limited action that he had last year I mean he kind of came in, and I can't remember what game it was off the top of my head, but he kind of came in when we had Shywertz injured, Justin Tomlin injured. I think it was the App State game, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and he came in and looked pretty explosive running the ball. Now, I, I have said this. Uh, I said this in the Georgia Southern preview to Matt. If this season starts to go sideways and – you're not in contention for very much outside of like a lower tier bowl game. I would be totally fine going with one of the freshmen just full time and just letting them get game reps and getting them ready for future seasons. Um, But yeah, I mean, I'd be fine with whichever one. Uh, I mean, 
if they like either one of those freshmen over Amari Jones, who again has not taken taken quarterback snaps at the college level, if he like if if Lunsford likes one of the freshmen, I'm totally fine with it because I think this is a perfect matchup to get your feet wet. Um, you know, if they were playing Army like Georgia State was, or they were playing a tougher opponent where they have a legit chance to win, I think you go with the less risky option. But against Gardner Webb, I mean, you should be talented enough. Uh, no matter who kind of starts at quarterback, so uh, Sam Kinnerson would be would be my vote, but it's not, you know obviously it's not up to me. Yeah. <laughs> um. So getting into the next game on the Sun Belt slate, Baylor, um, is actually traveling to San Marcos to take on Texas State. Um, not really sure was Baylor at gunpoint when they made this deal. Um. You know, kind of strange that they are traveling to Texas State to play. Um, but Baylor, 13 and a half point favorites. Texas State, we talked about them uh, in the last episode we did. Did some nice things last year, kind of made some some strides. And, you know, they have a lot of uh, a lot of transfers coming in for this season. You know, do you foresee them being able to obviously general sentiment is that they're not going to win this game do you see them making it a game with Baylor so you mentioned we talked about Texas State last week we did their team preview and in that we talked about Jake Spavadol he's coaching for his life right now yeah um so obviously if you're in that locker room you you never want to lose but your head coach is he is tooth and nail I need to make this game at least the very least competitive Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, will it be competitive? Personally, I don't think so, but, um, Baylor, sure. They're big 12, but they're, they're not the Texas, right? They're not, yeah. they're not necessarily what makes the big 12 must watch football. Mm-hmm. So you said the spread was what? 13 or 14? 13 and a half. 13 and a half. I, that feels about right. Um, I feel like it could be a fairly high scoring affair. Um, See, okay, can I can I just add something? I forgot to yeah, mention this. Do. The over under for this is only fifty three. I feel like that's low. I feel that like, does feel low. I feel like both of these teams could score some points. I would feel comfortable if I if I if I were a gambling man. I would be comfortable taking the over with putting a lot of money on the over on that. Yeah. Um, I feel like both of these offenses. Uh, obviously in their respective conferences are not incredibly elite, but both of these offenses have high breakout potential, have potential to be very streaky at times. Um, and when you're playing in these early season matchups, no one knows what's going on. That's when these oddities happen. So mm-hmm. I, I'm okay taking the over on that very, very much so. So there's an interesting sort of parallel from last season um, in their opener, Texas State took on another school based out of the state of Texas, SMU, and kept it within a touchdown and lost to SMU 31-24. Um, you know, I, I I don't think that SMU and Baylor are all like a one-to-one comparison, but I mean, I could kind of foresee something similar like that happening again because it's it's week one, Think weird things are going to happen. You know, teams aren't in midseason form week one. 
especially coming off of some of these schools didn't play a full slate last year. Obviously the Sunbelt and Big 12 both did, but you never know. Um, you know, and Texas State had a couple games last year where they scored a ton of points. I mean, they played Louisiana last year, scored 34. Um, they played Texas San Antonio last year, scored 48 in a double overtime loss. They scored 38 against Georgia Southern. They scored 47 in a win over Arkansas State. So they can score points. Um, yeah. You know, Baylor's head coach is bread and butter. Uh, I think his name's Dave Aranda, was the defensive coordinator at LSU most recently when they made their national championship run. But you would not know that he had defensive chops watching this team, the ba- the Baylor Bears last year yeah. on defense. Um, they were ugly. Uh, you know, they ended their season with a 42-3 to loss to Oklahoma State. So, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised uh, to see this go one way or the other. I don't know that I'd touch the spread, however, the over – looks like free money from where yeah. I'm sitting. <laughs> no, I, I completely agree. Um, you mentioned Texas or Baylor rather bringing in a new defensive coordinator. They brought in a offensive coordinator as well. Correct. This past off season. Um, I, and- I actually don't know. Uh, Dave Aranda took over for Matt rule before last season. So he's their head coach. Um, but I have no idea who their offensive coordinator is to be quite honest. I, I believe Baylor recently brought in a guy from BYU this past offseason, um, which I guess does not stand well for Texas State. Yeah. They're playing BYU's offensive scheme, but uh, just something <laughs> to note, just something to bring up. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely see how, how that uh, all shakes out. Uh, so getting into the third to final game of the uh, Saturday slate, Uh, Central Arkansas travels to Jonesboro to take on the Arkansas State Red Wolves. Uh, Central Arkansas, a fairly competitive FCS team. Um, You know, from what I understand, I don't I obviously don't watch a ton of Central Arkansas. uh, But from what I understand, they were very competitive last year. And, you know, Arkansas State was originally slated to play them last year before that game got postponed due to covid reasons um but yeah i mean what are your kind of expectations for this game i mean obviously arkansas state can light it up offensively but defensively they still have a ton of question marks so uh, much like with ulm it's going to be the debut of butch jones um and i'm i think everyone is excited to watch what he has to do Obviously, his last stint being with Tennessee, that didn't end too well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think this is obviously, um, with all of these FBS versus FCS matchups, you've got to give the edge to the FBS team, that being Arkansas State here. Um, but I, yeah, I, much like with, um, as I mentioned with Gardner-Webb, I don't know what to make of this Arkansas State team quite yet and I, I know that's a tough lame answer but we don't know what butch jones arkansas state looks like yet yeah i mean if this was still the blake anderson era we would know that they're going to air it out probably 50 60 times um play multiple quarterbacks for seemingly no reason yep um not run the ball just try to score 100 points every week and not really play yeah. a whole lot of defense however you know like you said butch jones comes in he brings a new, you know, seemingly a new offensive identity. They've, 
you know, kind of settled on a quarterback here. Um, so, you know, you have to assume that 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 stability and Butch Jones's pedigree, you know, having worked under Nick Saban at Alabama the last couple of years, hopefully that pays off. And hopefully the, the Red Wolves kind of take that next step on the defensive side of the ball, especially because offensively they were solid, but defensively, I mean, they couldn't, they couldn't stop a cold. I mean, it was, it was tough. Uh, So I wanted to correct something I said a little earlier. I said that Arkansas state and the central Arkansas matchup last year was postponed. They actually played later on in the season. Arkansas state came away with a 50 to 27 win. I see this one ending up kind of similarly, I, I, I don't think Central Arkansas is going to be able to match up man-to-man with Arkansas State. So I think this one's going to be a pretty much a route again. Yeah, not much to add on that. Yeah. Uh, so second to last game of the night, Troy uh, welcomes in Southern, uh, which is an HBCU school. No line on this one either. I think this is a good get-right game for Troy. Uh, talk. We talked about Spavadol coaching for his life. You have to think if Chip Lindsey doesn't turn in an, a, a solid season at Troy, I mean, they might show him the door at the end of the year because it's it's kind of been downhill since Neil Brown left for that West Virginia job. Um, obviously, they're probably not going to see any any sort of trouble with Southern. Is that fair to say? No, I mean, I mean, HBCU, FCS school. I, what do you expect from that kind of team? Um, yeah, you mentioned Chip Lindsay might be on the hot seat. I personally am not a subscriber to that quite yet. Five and six last year, three and four um, in conference is not a record that I personally think. Hey, you need to s- start right in the ship. But if um, if I'm wrong, uh, as you mentioned. This is definitely a game that you, you know, gain momentum going into. I believe they play Liberty the following week. Mm-hmm. Um, you just put on a good showing, say, hey, we're here to play some good football. And if it's true that Lindsay might be uh, his seat's getting warm, then that's how you prevent it by winning these games big. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know that for a fact because, to be totally honest, I'm not exactly plugged in to Troy's right. like fan base. However, I have to think that Troy's fan base is not thrilled with going from the Neil Brown era where they were competitive for the Sunbelt East almost every single year and mm-hmm. just watching teams like App State and Coastal and even, you know, Georgia State, Georgia Southern at times just pass right by them. Um I can't I can't imagine their fan base is thrilled to see that over the last couple of years. So I, I don't know that he's on the hot seat exactly. However, it it wouldn't surprise me if he was. Let me yeah. put it that way. But um, I, I, I think this one's an easy win for them, obviously. It is something of note, I think, about Troy's season last year. Um a lot of their games were their losses were either absolute tramplings or very close. Right. Um, Georgia Southern, I think, was by a touchdown. Middle Tennessee, they lost by only a field goal. They hung in with Coastal Carolina. Yep. Um, I think they only lost by, what, 4-5 that game? And so, they, in that game specifically, were up with like less than a minute to go. Like They scored a touchdown that, and were up, I think, 38-35 with less than a minute to go. And Coastal drove down in under a minute and scored a game-winning touchdown like with three seconds on the clock. 
this so that Troy, was yeah it was a backbreaker this, this troy team is a lot better than what their record dictates what odds will dictate um just because odds and records don't determine or don't take into account how close games are mm-hmm. they just really take into what's on paper so um it will be uh, an interesting season for Troy. Um, I wish I could elaborate on that more, but uh, there's nothing really that can sum it up better than it'll just be interesting to see if they can turn those losses into wins. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the, we talked about this with Arkansas State. I mean, they're kind of a similar case study. Offensively, fantastic. Defensively, not you gotta good. Up, yeah. Yikes. Uh, so we'll we'll see how that turns out. They should have a a fairly easy victory in week one before, like like you said, their their tune up game before they face off with Liberty next week. Uh, getting into the final game of the night, eight o'clock Eastern kickoff. Uh, South Alabama uh, is going to take on the Southern Miss Golden Eagles in this one. Um, Southern Miss uh, is a one-point underdog to South Alabama. Um, I'm going to be totally honest. I don't know a ton about Southern Miss. I I really don't follow the the Conference USA very closely outside of peeking Mm -hmm. in on how UAB is, I guess, is trampling the conference almost every season. Um, But other than that, I mean, I like South Alabama in this one. uh, One-point spread basically you're just choosing a winner at that point. And South Alabama was pretty frisky last year uh, within the Sun Belt. The only thing that gives me a little pause, like I said, uh, is Jake Bentley at the quarterback spot. I'm not a huge fan of his game uh, in the last couple stops he's had in college. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, how do you, how do you feel about how this game might turn out? A one point spread really perplexes me for this game. Um, South Alabama, they either opened or played week two against Southern Miss last season Mm -hmm. and beat them by 11. So uh, I don't know, like you, I'm not really in tune with the Conference USA landscape. And personally, I don't feel like South Alabama has taken any drastic steps backwards since last season. So one point feels like a very conservative spread. Yeah, I mean, obviously South Alabama comes in. They have a brand new coaching staff. Uh, Kane Womack comes over from Indiana, defensive-minded mm-hmm. guy. Um, they they return a fair bit of weapons on the outside uh, with guys like Jalen Wayne, Jalen Tolbert. Um, I think they're just flat going to outscore Southern Miss. I mean, I, I'm looking at some of the games Southern Miss played last year. I mean, they... I mean, the, the three games they had to open the season, I mean, they allowed 32, 31, 66, uh, 31, 56. I mean, their defense kind of shored up as the year went along, especially later on in the year. But, I mean, their defense was really, really bad <laughs> to start the season. So I, I think South Alabama's definitely got enough talent, and I, I think that they're going to uh, come away with a, a touchdown or, you know, 10-point victory over, over Southern Miss. That that feels very reasonable. Um, really, one last thing about that game, someone to watch. Um, I think Frank Gore Jr., obviously son of legendary running back Frank Gore, mm-hmm. um, he led the team as a tr- – I don't know if he was – he was either a redshirt or a true freshman last year. 
led the team in rushing yards. I think he doubled the next best guy in both attempts and yards. Mm-hmm. And this South Alabama team, um, even though they, you know, they brought in Womack, who, as you mentioned, he's kind of, he's got the de- defensive background. They were allowing upwards of 170 rush yards per game. So I think, uh, while he may not be enough to keep them in the game, I think Gore will definitely put up a personal, for him personally, a very good game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, we'll see if, you know, Frank Gore Jr. is able to to kind of put the team on his back and, and end up winning this game because Lord knows Southern Miss isn't going to play a lot of defense probably. So yeah. we'll, we'll definitely have to see how that turns out. In South Alabama, you have to imagine – like I said, gets a little bit of a defensive boost by now bringing in a defensive-minded head coach. Um, but that essentially wraps up the uh, the week one slate of games. Zeke, give me give me one game that you're keeping your eye on, and then one game that you think you know maybe might surprise people one way or the other. If we're gonna talk game of the week, um, obviously it's gonna be Louisiana and Texas. Um, there, there's really no other opponent on the Sun Belt slate that matches up to Texas's caliber. Um, Louisiana is going to give them a good game. Which way it falls, you know, as we talked about, really could go either way. Um, so it's the only national televised game, so everyone listening will have access to it. Um, so that's my game of the week. Uh, but if we're going to talk upset, uh, Texas State or ULM, I would consider being competitive in their games an upset and something to keep an eye out for. Um, I, th- I think it's a little bit of a cop out uh, with how close the spread is. Uh, but I think my team on upset alert is honestly Georgia state. Um, okay. I, yeah. I mean, they could, they, we talked about it. They could definitely outscore army and, and do all of those kind of things. However, you know, triple option teams that are true triple option teams give teams fits all the time because it's just so hard to prepare for like when you don't have the actual team on the other side running it against you you can try to replicate it as best as possible but i've seen teams try to do that and it just doesn't work and then they show up for game day and are completely unprepared by the amount of motion they see the amount of you know cut blocking at the line of scrimmage. I mean, it's just, it's so hard to, to prepare for. So my game of the week, obviously Louisiana, Texas, I don't think there's any argument there. Uh, but yeah, I think, I think Georgia state could be from a betting perspective. If you're just looking at lines, I think they should be on upset watch against the black Knights and Jeff Munkin squad. Um, so closing out here, Zeke, tell everybody where they can find you on social media. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter. That's at Zeke Palermo, Z-E-K-E-P-A-L-E-R-M-O. Uh, post any stories I'm writing about Sunbelt football on there, as well as uh, just any thoughts and musings on what's going on in that sports uh, sports world. Yeah, absolutely. And as always, you can find me on Twitter at WatchTheStone. Uh, we will be back uh, next week to recap all these games and get into week two of Sunbelt action. This has been another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Sunbelt Podcast.